Hello and welcome to episode five of the Plus One to Hit podcast. My name's James, I'm blind and I'm your host. The show focuses on games workshops, Warhammer 40,000, Inquisitor, Necromunda and Age of Sigmar games. We're a disability positive podcast and we'd love to hear from any hobbyists out there to talk about their hobby journey. So tonight I'm joined by our resident Necron overlord, Mark. Hello! And our resident newbie, Quirky. Hello! So we've got a couple of things to talk about this evening, but first, what have we been up to? What have you been up to, Quirky? Um, in terms of the hobby, not a lot. I would probably just say uh, the Death Watch stuff, which I think we're going to touch on a bit later. Um, but even that, I think we've had to... Um, postpone some bits and bobs here and there yeah just the, the, just a few games of death watch we played since i was last on really yeah it's been a bit of a weird weird month isn't it really hmm. uh, i mean there is something else that we've done but we'll perhaps come back to that in a minute ah uh, yes i know how eager you are to share your success with the world <laughs> <laughs> what about you mark um well we played our first game of crusade which was a almighty embarrassment for the necrons but we'll come on to that shortly as well followed very quickly by a i'm not very happy with you necrons so i'm going to go and buy more necrons <laughs> so yeah it's been a relatively busy month after a year of not painting anything because i can't be bothered um i've uh, done three models in two days so i'm sort of back on the painting train now so that's what i've been up to and Hopefully, what I'll be up to for the next couple of months, I think. You've also been purchasing extra non-necron Yeah, things. I also purchased extra non-necron things. I finally got round to purchasing a thousand points worth of, of Blood Angels. Um, I'm not going to share too much in this podcast because I want my first battle with uh, James here to be a surprise in, in sort of what I'm taking. Um but I'm super excited about it. It's kind of near enough everything that I would have wanted from a thousand points of, of Blood Angels. So yeah, I'm really excited. But that's something for a future a future podcast. So what have I been doing? Um, Death Watch has been a little bit odd this month, uh, although we have we had had a couple of sessions in. There's been the Crusade game with Mark, which actually went I really enjoyed. Well, I think we both really enjoyed it. To be fair, um, but I won, <laughs> so I probably enjoyed it more. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. And Quirky and I did something at the very beginning of the month uh, that we'll come back to in a minute. In terms of hobby, not a lot's been going on, actually. It seems that this happens every time we have a new episode. The two Necromunda boards that were away being painted by Dave the Legend have been finished and will be on their way back this weekend because he sent me the email today to say they were done and send me the photos so what i'm going to do is pop them up on the instagram page and i believe mark you've got some uh necron stuff you want to share on there i have yeah they're not based yet but they're painted so thought we'd take some photos of them and get them up there as well cool i've actually finished the next two necromunda boards now so they'll be going away when the next two come back and there's not really been much else happening in terms of uh modeling my pile of shame has grown though <laughs> i've actually bought a unit for my eldari army my craft world eldari army which i haven't bought anything for them for a good couple of years now so i'm quite excited about those they're a forge world unit called the shadow specters so i bought those 
um, which I'm quite excited about. They're really cool models and they're, they're pretty tasty in game as well. There's been some really awesome model releases over the last several weeks, actually. Obviously, Graham's not here, unfortunately, but I know he's particularly excited about the Black Templars. Um, and I think he'll, he might want to talk about those uh, perhaps in the next episode or something. But uh, yeah, they they seem to be going down pretty well. There's been some gorgeous Age of Sigmar models come out as well. In fact, I got, there's a female vampire lord sort of carrying this sort of dragon thing. Well, I put, bought one of those so I can convert it to use as an Escher gang queen for my Necromander gang. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't done it yet, but that's that's in the pipeline. So that'd be quite cool. But that's pretty much it, really. Quirky, you've had your first game of 40k. I have indeed. Ventured on round to your house and we uh, set up a board and had a game. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? As you've heard from previous episodes, Quirky's never actually played any 40k whatsoever. So we just put together a little... 500 points per side, a little patrol detachment. Quirky had 500 points of my Storm Dragon Space Marines, and I had 500 points of Craftworld Eldar from the Alaya Top Craftworld. And it was it was really quite a nice little game, actually. We, so we, we kept it nice and simple. Didn't want to completely bombard poor Quirky with every single rule, every single stratagem and everything like that. So all we did was basic core rules uh we didn't use any stratagems but it was great because you know quirky got to grips with how the turn sequence works how combat works how shooting works and all that sort of stuff so have you still got your list i do indeed yeah do you want to share what you took so as uh you said I had 500 points worth of Storm Dragons. So I had uh, a chaplain in Terminator armor. He had a Combi Flamer, a Crozius Arcanum. So I had a Litany of Hate and a Canticle of Hate, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, so he was 100 points. Uh, I had a Venerable Dreadnought uh, with an Assault Cannon Heavy Flamer. And he was 140 points. Tactical Squad of Troops. 110 points and an Outriders squad. Um, I think it was three three bikes, wasn't it, James? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, an out, Outriders yeah. squad consists of three models, yeah. Yeah, and that was 150 points. That was my army that I took in. So I took from the Alatoc Craft World an Autark with Sweeping Hawk Wings. He had a Fusion Pistol, Power Sword, Mandy Blaster Helmet, and, of course, the Sweeping Hawk Wings. I had a... Warwalker with two Shrieking Catapults. I had four Dark Reapers, each with a Reaper Missile Launcher. I had a five-man unit of Dire Avengers, the Exarch with two Avenger Catapults, and a five-man unit of Fire Dragons, one of which was an Exarch, and all of them just had standard viewing guns. And that was my 500. So it was a pretty small force, really. So how did you find sort of getting your head around it and Sort of getting into it. I think, mean, obviously, having played Death Watch, there's a lot of elements in that that have been taken from the 40k game. So I had a bit of um, knowledge from that. So that helped. But then I think we discussed this on the day, actually. There was a lot that we did that have actually now informed some of the Death Watch stuff. 
So it's kind of worked both ways, which is kind of nice. Um, that I was able to use some of the stuff from Death Watch, and now actually some of the stuff from Death Watch makes more sense um, yeah. around the stats and the roles and everything like that, and how that all works. So that was useful to have that little background knowledge that I had, but obviously two completely different games. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think like like you said, we we simplified it a lot, so that made it a lot easier. To be fair to you, we were playing a proper 40k game. The only thing we didn't have were these things called stratagems, which just had adds in an old, a whole extra layer. But yeah, it, it was still a it was still a standard 40k game. So don't be thinking you were you were doing a super super simplified version. Baby's first 40k. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One thing I do remember though, quite early on, was um, when you you mentioned about the movement, how the movement works and everything like that and having to measure distance and line of sight mm. and all that sort of stuff, which, of course, is completely different to what we've been doing in the role-playing side of stuff. Yeah, obviously, we had a game of uh, Inquisitor earlier this year and that yeah. kind of that kind of tied into that a little bit more, so I had that little bit of knowledge there. But I think I, think I said to you on the day as well, just going right to the beginning of the game, I said to you, I'm not strategic in how I do anything in, at all when it comes to games and, you know, anything like this. I'm sort of all guns blazing rather than, you know, trying to be sneaky and trying to think of the long game. And the first thing I did was when I placed my, um, my, my units down, I didn't factor in things like line of sight. And I think I'd put my um, Dreadnought in a position where he just couldn't see anything and he had to work his way out from behind a couple of buildings. So yep. he had to like walk, th- he couldn't go through the windows or anything like that, or he had to go all the way around. So yeah, lesson learned <laughs> quite early <laughs> on uh, with that. Um, so yeah, there, there were things I'd definitely do differently for the next game. Obviously, it wasn't a huge detriment um, considering the outcome of the game. Rookie subtly hinting that we <laughs> annihilated <him. laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, to be fair, to be honest with you, all you, what you did was what pretty much everybody does when they first play, you know, just try to protect what you perceive to be your favourite units and stuff. And what was interesting, and Mark did this as well, I did it when I was, when I was younger as well. Jim's done the same other friends that have done the same, you know, you've got your little force and things like your dreadnought, your your commander, your character, in your case, was your, was your chaplain. They're two of the most powerful units in that force, but you kept them quite a long way back and you mm. didn't push them forward. Um, and pretty much everybody, without exception, that I've ever played against that's new does similar because, of course, you want to look after the things that you like the best. Whereas if you were to get them up front, they'd do so much damage anyway. I mean, that chaplain would have just annihilated anything it came into contact with. But he never actually got into close combat, did he? Yeah, that's right. I think the Outrider squad did. They got into close combat. The Dreadnought, obviously. With the Dreadnought, I I would have probably played that differently and put it up front to begin with because it's probably, you know, armoured enough that it's not going to get, you know completely destroyed in the first few rounds anyway and it's going to be able to just open up and cause mayhem there was that great moment where you actually moved the dreadnought forward and it opened up with this assault cannon heavy flamer 
and you got to see how devastating they can be. And when I think you whittled down my Fire Dragon squad down to two dudes, it might have even been one. And in a last-ditch attempt, the Fire Dragon Exarch charged forward to try and plant a melter bomb on the Dreadnought, but the Dreadnought just utterly pasted him. If I remember correctly, so if we're imagining the board, my side, I had sort of a building tied behind for cover. There was a building on my left-hand side. Then there were like some uh, empty, um, much like storage. Cargo uh, containers. Yeah. Cargo containers, yeah. And then like a pump, what looked like sort of pumping station thing. And then you had almost like a two or three story building on the far side. I think one of your guys ran into the building on my left and my um, dreadnought moved sort of in between the building closest to me and the building on the left, just enough to sort of completely gun that guy down. It was either one guy or, or it was, guys it was, yeah, it was my entire unit of fire dragons yes. because, um, because that was where the line of sight came in because you got him into that position. And then because he had line of sight, he could fire his assault cannon and his heavy flight. And he just, I think he whittled him down to the last one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was pretty cool. On the flip side of that though, your tactical squad, which were up over on your right hand flank, they're the ones that had to move over the cargo storage containers. containers. Yeah. Yeah. They they got pretty badly pasted by my autark with wings. Yeah, they didn't have a good time of it. I think you basically whittled them down to one. It was um, it was a sergeant with a power fist though. Correct, yes. Yeah, so he he didn't go down without a fight. So yeah, because that, that that's when I was really measuring as well, like the uh, trying to get those guys over the storage containers with <laughs> oh, a ruler out so tape measure. It's one um, of those things where I wish I'd have had. I mean, if I'd thought about it at the time, I could have just taken my phone out of my pocket and just videoed that thirty seconds of you doing the maths on your bit of paper to figure out that it was it was really quite funny. Yeah, it was I've, good though I've, because you, it, you, I mean that's you you now understand how that movement works moving forward, don't you? So. Yeah, I mean, I was on the floor, knelt down on the floor, like like at, at eye level with the board, you know, just like counting it up. Right, it's like so that's that's one and a half inch, and across the top is three inches. So then, if I want to get down the other side, that's another half. So that's what four and a half. So I was sitting there for ages, like trying to figure it out, and you were you were like. <laughs> Dave, it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, it matters. It doesn't matter as much, that much. I, but... I think at one point I said, just pick up the tape measure, measure <laughs> up, measure across, and measure down, and that's it. <laughs> it, yeah, was, yeah. it was really funny. Your Outrider squad, they did a lot of work for your force, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. God rest their souls. Because they were holding the objective for a very long it's time. Right. And they were right up in the objective in the middle of the field um so yeah they were doing a lot but i, I think um was it your rocket launchers that got them in the end it was like dark the... reapers they just whittled yeah yeah. yeah they were but nasty. Then they are dark reapers yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah i wasn't a fan of them when they when they came up you had them on the top of the building on your side and they just uh, they're just picking things off 
so yeah that that was nasty again another lesson learned uh, with that one the the long range weapons from up top they did a lot for me in in the center of the field and a lot of close combat strangely enough considering they were on bikes i think cuz i could get them out quite quick into the middle yeah. um and that's kind of how i used them to get out quite quick into the mid- middle hold the objective and just get up close and try and take out as many people as possible they served me well and they died a glorious death I certainly did. I think they went down fighting the, the Dire Avengers and my... Oh, I, that's right. I had a Warlock as well. And the mm. Warlock. In fact, they made very short work of the Warlock. I think Outriders are one of those units where, as all-rounders, they're great because they've got decent firepower because they've got twin bolt rifles on each bike. Each rider's got a heavy bolt pistol and each rider's got an Astasi's chainsaw. So they're pretty tasty in close combat as well. Mm. And of course, they're tough. They've got a toughness of five. You know, they've got multiple wounds. I can't remember if it's three or four now, but yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty tasty. There's only three in a unit, but they're, they're pretty long-lived. I think as well, the, the Warlock, didn't he? Wasn't he trying to do something similar to a curse or something to, to the... Outriders, you might have even succeeded one at one one point. I think your first one. Uh, can't, oh, can't that's right. He was trying to. I was trying to um, cast a psychic power called Destructor. That was it. Yeah. And uh, the first one su- succeeded, and then every other one after that failed. It was it was <laughs> just a nightmare. I mean, ultimately, where Quirk had moved up, he had his Outriders holding the objective. Uh, Chaplin and Dreadnought were moving up. Tactical squad were tying up my left flank, but ultimately getting pasted. But actually, he completely secured the objective, and I was whittled down in the end to two Dark Reapers and my War Walker with only a few wounds left. And that was it. That's all I had on the table. And I was so far back in my deployment zone, I had no opportunity or no chance anyway to get any further forward. So Quirky secured his first victory. Nice. I mean, yeah, I, I think as well, because it kind of struck me by surprise, because you kind of went, you've won. And I was like, what? And I was you were like, I'm too far behind to, to um, you know, catch you up. So you've won. That's it. I concede you've won. And it, it reminded me of chess in that way, you know, when you it's kind of honourable a point to, like, lay your king down sort of thing. I think at that point as well, you know, it, it was getting quite late in the day. Um, because we took it, we took it nice and slow. I mean, obviously, it was only a friendly game anyway. But there was no way. I think at that point you were something like fifteen victory points ahead of me, and I would have needed two full turns of movement to get up the table to the objective. That's assuming you didn't kill anything else of mine. And uh, there was only one one round of the game left, so there was no just no chance. But no, it was it was a fair it was a fair cop. You, you run fair and square. And it certainly wasn't because I was letting you win either. You know, it was very level pegging. Um, and, you know, I was going for it. I was taking your guys out. You were taking my guys out. And ultimately, I think you had that little bit of extra thrust up the middle to get your chaplain up the middle and your dreadnought covering <laughs> his left flank. And that was that. Well, you know, if I had lost, I'd have taken my ball and gone home, James. So, you know, it's it's within, <laughs> within your best interest to let me win. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, I, I was slightly convinced that you'd given me a better team in 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 hopes that, you know, I would win and uh, I'd be, I'd 
catch the bug and want to do it again. It was it was good. It was a good game. So next, we need to get you facing Mark's Necrons because that's Ooh. a whole different ball game. <laughs> That'll be good fun. That'll be good. and I've got plenty of new units now, Berkey as well. So uh, yeah, loads of cool stuff to play. So there we go. So we can go for a we can go for a three thousand point onslaught game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard three thousand points in that Necrons. That, that, that would take a week to play. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard about those Necrons. I'm not looking forward to it. So, it's yeah, it's the fact that they can just get up again. Oh, it's so that's annoying. It. Yeah, that's what I don't like about when you when you've spoken about it before. That's what's haunting me almost. You know, it's sitting in the back of my brain. It's like they're just going to get back up. Like you know, yeah. slice them down. It's like the Hydra, isn't it? Slice one head, two more appear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah they're quite uh, they're quite an all-rounded army, really. Um, if they had psychers as well, then they'd be fairly devastating. But luckily, they don't have any psychers. Notice how Mark is subtly leading the conversation towards psychers and what happened to him in our crusade game. Well, they're just ridiculous <laughs> units, aren't they, James? Really? I mean, who thought who thought in a game that they would create psychic powers? It's, it's ludicrous. Oh. It's one of these instances where. Sometimes I really wish I could see the expression on people's faces. It was horrible. My final point, I suppose, is that I like the game. I'm not so convinced that I would like the building and the painting. And we spoke about this previously. You know, you 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 guys have got loads of armies between you, and I'd quite happily show up and play a game. And, you know, I really enjoy that aspect and the social aspect of it. But the sit, sitting alone and building and painting... Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't you're, think you're, it's me. you're never going to be a modeler, are you? No, no, no. I, 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 do you know what? I think as well, I'd buy them, start painting them, and go, ah, oh, ruin that. I've got an artistic bone in my body, so I'd, I'd, uh, I'd probably ruin all the models. I wouldn't do them justice. So, And I know I could <laughs> well, get someone else to do it, but it kind of defeats the point. So, how about then? I'm going to lay this on the table, the three of us here. How about. Mark has a thousand points of Necrons, and you and I, Quirky, have a thousand points of Space Marines, and we'll play him together as a team because then we can show you some of the finer points. So we'll, we'll arrange that for some point in the future. Um, but that could be quite cool because that's good to me. Gives you a chance to use some of your new Necron units, and yep. uh, gives you to a chance to try out some other bits and pieces and a bit of a bigger force and. I'll be your lieutenant and you can be the general or vice versa. Do a game like that. What do you reckon? Bring it on, man. Yeah. You, you can be lieutenant. I'll be general ignorance. That leads us quite nicely into Crusade. We've been chatting about this for ages, haven't we? Never really got into it, did we? And um, yeah, just thought, you know what, let's, uh, let's give it a go. It's funny because you, you build your army and then sort of... Because you can't change anything, can you? As obviously as part of it, like once it's on your roster, it's on your roster, and that's it. It's it's sort of quite interesting as to how it how it sort of all works, but it really makes you think rather than just sort of playing like you know, oh, I'll pick the force for this game. You know, we'll see how it goes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's kind of like you've got to pick your force for that game, the next game, the next game, the next game, the next game, and you don't know what's yeah sort of around the corner. So it makes you think about it a lot more because you kind of need to plan for every eventuality but I think that's kind of where I went a little bit wrong if I was to go back and build my army again I would build my 50 points in a in a different way it was good fun and I, I found it really interesting 
creating my roster personally because so you have to think about it a lot more. So you're not aware of what Crusade is, are you, Quirky? I'm not. I'm frantically Googling while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, in, in a nutshell, so it's it's 40k, but it's called Crusade Mode. You know, in like an RPG, you'll have a character and you'll have starting gear and you'll develop that character. They gain experience on battle honours, battle scars and all that sort of stuff. It's 40k doing that. So you have something called an order of battle, which is your your pool of units that you choose from. That order of battle starts at a maximum of 50 power level. So every unit in the game has a power level assigned to it. So, for example, a tactical squad might have a power level of five. A captain might have a power level of six or whatever it happens to be. It all totals up and you can't have any more than 50. It maxes out of 50. You can be under if you want, but and then you don't spend a sort of held in a little, little pot for later use. And that's your pool of units that you choose from. But the first few games you play are really very small. They're like sort of patrols. So you're only allowed to choose a force out of that order of battle to a maximum level of 25 power. And what you do is you, you build your army according to those criteria. But then after each battle, they gain experience points. If they've been wiped out, they might have a battle scar. They can get battle honours. You can buy extra gear for them. And you've got all of these things that you can use to, to upgrade these things. So there's, there's things called requisition points where you can purchase a relic for one of your characters, for example. So it's really cool. It's, a, it's like a progressive way of playing and developing an army. And you, the idea is you name your characters and name your units and they gain all this experience. It just tries to make it more storytelling rather than um you know just, rather than just going together and and, yeah 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 and do it that way i, I actually I, I prefer the narrative way of playing anyway because i think it's always nicer to have a, a story to play to but uh, would you say that's a fair yeah i'd say that's a fair um yeah a fair explanation of what it is so what did you pick then well the full roster or just for the game <laughs> so well well yeah, if we go through the, the sort of the game and stuff. So I went, obviously James knows my Necron Force and for everyone that's not there, a lot of my Necron Force is built for sort of close combat. So um, I started collecting it because of things like the Indominus box set and then you had the Eradication Force last Christmas. And a lot of that was obviously surrounding destroyer models and everything else. So that's kind of where the majority of my army is and it's all kind of close combat type stuff. And um, so when I, when I tried to build my roster, I tried to make it a bit more sort of rounded i took the death marks i took my lynch guard um i took some immortals i just took a, a standard lord for my hq with uh with a resurrectional along with a plasma monster as well and some cryptocals um who are his little sort of like bodyguards try to create it as sort of rounded as 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 possible to to yeah sort of try and get in there and like i say neglected a lot of the uh the destroyers which i'm sort of regretting <laughs> but hopefully as as it grows and you use your experience points and things like that um and your acquisition points and things you can add more models to it but i think it gives you a really good sort of grounding as to as to where you are um and i don't think my force did bad but you know your stupid psycho with his stupid, <laughs> powers, <laughs> stupid model he is so um, um came in and sort of ruined my day basically <laughs> so um i decided to use my space wolves army for this because what i've always loved about the space wolves in general is their whole vikingness 
their whole epicness, their deeds, their sagas, and you know, they're just I just thought that'd be a really cool army to play for narrative. So I, I chose that. So my fifty power level was a rune priest with jump pack, Judicia, a unit of heavy intercessors, a unit of assault intercessors, a unit of grey hunters, an impulsor, a razorback and a unit of Thunderwolf Cavalry, and that was actually 49 power rather than 50. For the game, the first game we did, uh, the 25 power level, I took my Rune Priest as my commander, a unit of Grey Hunters, my Razorback, and the unit of Thunderwolf Cavalry, and that was bang on 25 power. It was good. It worked out quite well for me. So my reasoning behind the taking a Rune Priest, because obviously I know Rune Priests and Librarians are a little bit out of favour at the moment in the sort of greater sort of tournament scene and things like that because you know you can fail psychic tests and all that sort of stuff whereas something like a chaplain it's much easier to pass the litany tests and things like that and there's nothing that can combat that whereas you can block a psychic attack and things like that so i was thinking well hang on a second necrons haven't got a psychic phase at all really because i haven't got any psychers so if i have something in my psychic phase that gives me a slight edge i'm doing something in that phase that mark won't be able to do you won't be able to combat against it and stuff like that. So I thought, I'm going to take a Rune Priest. Not the most lethal in close combat, but psychic powers can be quite good for either offensive abilities or for buffing sort of friendly units. And that was, I took, I mean, Grey Hunters are a no-brainer because I, I still think they're one of the best troop units in the in the game for Space Marines, you know. Bolt guns, bolt pistols, and each of them's got a Stati's chainsaw, dragon crack grenades, two wounds, nice and solid. My Razorback I took with a twin assault cannon just for extra firepower, really, because I've got a lot of ranged stuff. And finally, the Thunderwolf cavalry were just a no-brainer. Not a gun between them, but monsters in close combat, and of course they can advance and charge, and they're just really cool. It was quite telling in the game, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it didn't really go very well, did it? So, <laughs> well, it did uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the room priest sort of just came straight in, and I think it's 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 quite funny just to give us sort of a bit of uh, a little bit of concept. So, I mean, but when you when you build your army, when I built my army, I was trying to think of ways which I could try and make it more durable, and you kind of got to mix up the points, but then you've got to because once you like for argument's sake, I've got ten lynch guard on my roster, um, but my yeah. lynch guard is split down into two units of five. Off, yeah, um, and the reason behind that is because it then gives you more points. So when you are paying twenty five point game, if you think like my lynch guard as a unit of ten or I think they're fourteen power, yeah, you plus your um, you know your lords on that, that's near enough your twenty power, and then you're left with six power for a couple of necrons. So if you take all ten. Yeah. it's then too much for such a small game. The ironic thing is, is that if I did have taken all 10, I actually probably would have killed your wolf, um, Thunderwolf Cavalry, th- Thunderwolf cavalry yeah. and I might have actually survived a little bit more, but because I could only take the five, your psychic powers came in and killed, I think, two and knocked one down to one wound. Um, and then your Thunder Cavalry uh, sort of like charged straight in and pretty much killed the other two um, before they'd even had a chance to come back. The ironic thing is, is that I took the Lord of the Resurrection Orb as well because he then basically allows you to do your reanimation protocols out of turn. Yeah. Um, but you've got to have obviously one model left. 
get. So I didn't even get to have one model left, even with one wound I would have been happy with because I could have re-rolled my reanimation. But I didn't even get to do that. I can only imagine yeah. Mark looked like a sulky child. when that. I was not happy. There was toys out of the pram. There was broken windows. <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, that was a conscious effort on my part because I knew, I mean, I hate Lynch God. They are the bane of my life. Every game I've played them in, They've just been an absolute nightmare. They so do thought, so well, but they gotta get in combat. If yeah. they if they don't get into combat, then they're just points wasted. But as soon as you get them in, they're like your Thunderwolf cavalry. They are gnarly and they're durable. But it's, yeah. it's the psychic tests. Yeah. Well, the, psychic the, test the, the thing for me was I wanted to get my rune priest up the table to fire off a couple of psychic attacks and hopefully kill one or two of them, which he actually did. And then because the Thunderwolf cavalry can move so quickly and get into close combat the idea was to wipe them out and of course that's exactly what happened so they mm. couldn't regenerate what's perhaps worth mentioning to people is with in crusade every data sheet for an army so if we take uh neck warriors what's the minimum number of neck warriors in a unit is it 10 yes yeah, so you can take a minimum of 10 but as per the crusade rules um as i was reading the other day you can still take undermanned units Yes. Um, but it's just, but it would be pointless because you've still got to use the same power level. Yes. So the point I was getting to was when you choose your crusade force, when you choose your order of battle, you can only have the minimum squad size. So Mark, for example, with his Necron Warriors, when he chooses a unit of Necron Warriors, he's got 10 and that's what he starts with. If he wants to add any more to that 10-man unit, so bump it up to 15 or 20, he has to spend requisition points to be able to do that. Mm. And it would be the same for me for a tactical squad, for example. The starting size is five, and I can increase it to ten, but I'd have to spend requisition points to do that. That's just worth being aware of, because I think that took us both by surprise, actually, when we were choosing our orders of battle, didn't it? Yeah, and like I say, it's it's interesting, because then once you've made it, you've made it, and you can't go back and change it. Yeah. Um, well, you can. But you well, you can, but you've got to spend requisition points. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting. It makes you think more, for sure, definitely. So, for, for me, I went quite old school, actually, because if you think back in the day, you know, 4th, 5th edition, it was all about having a core of troops. So, you'd have an HQ and three troop units and stuff like that, very similar to a battalion detachment. And that's basically what I started my, my order of battle around. So, I've got my, my room priest as my HQ. I've got heavy intercessor squad. Assault Intercessor Squad and a Greyhunter Squad met all troops. So that's my core of three three troop units, and I'll yeah. build around that. As a gaming experience, it was it was really quite cool because the game itself is no different, really. You know, you just you just play 40k as it is. Yeah. Um, you have your stratagems and everything like that. The only thing that is really different, so quirky, you remember in our game we had the mission objective and we were aiming towards that to determine who is the victor you can choose these things in standard 40k or match play games as secondary objectives that doesn't right. exist at all in crusade so what you have in, instead is each army has something called agendas and those agendas are specific to that army so mark had an agenda that he has to choose for his army, it's like his secret objective on top of the mission objectives and I had to choose one for mine as well and depending on what you succeed on in those depends on what rewards you get at the end or consequences, actually, because it's not all rewards, is it? Mm. So what was yours? Well, I had to find treasure, basically. So I was looking for an artefact. 
so uh yeah i had to go and find my uh find my hidden treasure basically and um i had to get an infantry unit onto it but uh yeah couldn't even couldn't even move me in the end because they got tied up with the cavalry so my objective was kind of like sat there for four four rounds although it did sort of semi-work to my uh to my advantage because you put obviously your razor back down didn't you yeah and then thought you was on the main objective but you weren't you was actually on my treasure yeah which means that for those four rounds you didn't gain any victory points yeah um not that it mattered in the long run anyway because you tabled me but it was uh yeah it was quite funny so the the, the term tabled quirky means when you wipe out your enemy so there's no models left on their force at all right yeah so that's that's what that's total what annihilation yeah fatalities <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that I think the the pivotal point in the game, certainly for Mark, was when you forgot to move your lord. And yeah, I think that could have made a significant difference to the to how it played out after that point. Yeah, definitely. Because I've just completely forgot my movement phase, didn't I? I didn't even think about it. Just well, went straight in, shot my death marks. Was like, uh, well, I mean, do, just for just for sort of <laughs> lin- just for sort of listeners' benefit, really, we we kind of have a house rule where if you're if you're in your turn and you forget something as long as you haven't gone into the next phase and started actually rolling dice then we're quite happy for, for you to backtrack or whatever but at that point well we'd already shot you, you'd, you'd it, gone all the way wounds. through your death <laughs> marks yeah so we'd gone halfway through all of his entire army doing this shit. and so we were like well you know so yeah for the house wall we, we just decided not to however both of us actually earlier on we got to the end of our, I think it was our movement phases. And because we hadn't gone on to our shooting phase or anything, I think we'd both forgotten something. So we we, we sort of owned up and said, ah, oh, I've just forgotten to do this. Do you mind if I do it now? But because we hadn't moved on to the next phase, opponent was fine with it. So there was no problem yeah. at all. That's just kind of how we, how we like to play because otherwise you just end up rewinding half of a game just to go back to a one dice roll that you did two turns ago it just starts getting a little bit ridiculous but yeah that was pretty pivotal for you i think wasn't it because i think if you'd have moved him well he wouldn't have been next to that immortal unit would he no he would have been further out so no because he got picked up by the rune priest in the end didn't he yeah yeah he did <laughs> um you know, and, and to be fair, when he did get to fight me, Little Lord actually did quite well. But it was just a bit of a, yeah, it was just a bit of a shame that I lost the Lynch Guard, really. But uh, it is, you know, it is what it is. Because again, if I wanted to originally, when I put him roster, put him as a 10 man unit. Um, but then I changed it all to then make it fit when I did the 25 point game. Because then obviously, if they're a 10 man unit, then I can do my reanimation protocols all the way through so you could kill nine, use my resurrection orb, yeah. and bring them all back. But I can't do that because now I've swapped into that so yeah I need to have a proper rethink and a and a reorg for me next for me next one but like I say a couple of the new models I've got may, might be finding their way into into me little battle order so the question is have you actually spent any requisition points I've obviously it's several days since we've had a game now have you done up all your totaling up of your battle scars and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, so I've, I've tallied it up, I've sorted all of that out and I am still debating on how I'm going to spend my requisition points because I'm also quite conscious about once you've spent them, you've spent them and obviously you only get one requisition point per game back. Yeah. So it, I'm quite conscious of that so I'm trying to uh, think about how I'm going to 
how I'm going to go about doing it. But like I say, I'm, I'm I think I'm there with what I'm going to do for my next one. I've spent a couple. I've got one new unit, so I've exp- I spent one requisition point to increase my my supply limit up to by another five. So my order of battle can be up to fifty five power now. Mm. Uh, and I've purchased one unit for that. And I'm undecided as to whether I'm going to add a second unit at this stage or not. Um, but you're going to love it. You're going to love what the new unit is. More Thunderwolf cavalry. <laughs> not, no, I didn't have enough. Well, I didn't have enough for that. I'm sure I'm going to love it. We'll I, I, I reckon when when I put the model on the table, I think you're just going to throw a brick at me or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. But, no, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I think. Crusade promises to be a really, really interesting way moving forward to, to play the game. I mean, for me, it might be a bit controversial here, but I mean, I've been playing 40k for over 30 years now, and I've never played anything but match play or its equivalent, over whatever it's been called over the years. And to be honest, getting a bit stale, not because the games are boring, but, you know, there's there's no progression or anything like that, unless, of course, you plan out some sort of massive campaign, which we have done in the past, although not in this gaming group. I think Crusade, because it's all documented, it's in the rule book, it's it's something that you can follow, it's all in place. I think it's a really interesting way to approach the game. And, of course, because it's all narrative anyway, because that's how we like to play, sort of generally, isn't it? So there's been some pretty cinematic moments so far. We've only had one game, so it's going to be interesting moving forward. Yeah, it's definitely going to be good fun. Maybe that's what we do for for the game that we talked about earlier. Perhaps we we do it as Crusade. Uh, as I'm using my space walls, quirky, you can use my storm dragons, and we'll build you a little Crusade storm dragons force. That could be quite cool. Interesting. Yeah, I'll be up for giving that a go. Why not? May as well. Psychers. <laughs> We've been saying for several episodes that we're going to talk a little bit about Death Watch. Well, what we call Death Watch isn't really Death Watch. So basically what we've been doing is we've got this role-playing game, which we started pretty early on when the first sort of lockdown happened. And really, we just wanted something that we could do remotely over video chat where we didn't need models. We could roll some dice, have a laugh socialize a little bit and just have a bit of fun with some geeky stuff really we were originally going to use the the proper death watch rpg game but to be honest the rules were so complicated and we all just wanted to pick up and play so i put together this sort of rough rule set and we we started playing everybody chose a character so i'm the games master for this um and mark graham and jim chose characters of their own at that point and quirky only joined us this year so a few months ago and he chose his character at that point so each of the guys are playing a a death watch space marine and we've done four missions now and it's been really quite interesting And the whole time we've been sort of developing the rules and things like that what are your thoughts guys yeah, well, I'm quite enjoying the new game, although I've sort of missed two, 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 two matches of it. But from from what I've been hearing and been catching up on, you've been playing Uriel. He's he's been played exactly how he how he should be played. But you know, I I I quite like it, and it's just like little things. 
you know how you can sort of make your character do what you want type thing but in a really cool thematic sort of cinematic way. yeah kind of kind of way why don't we talk about what your characters are i know we haven't got everybody here but um and i haven't got a character but so what what what's your character can you tell people what you've got yeah so i've got a uh, a blood angel um because they are out of all the space green chapters they're the ones that you know i like they're not the strongest chapter in the world they don't have the world's best perks but I don't know, I just, I just like him. So yeah, so I've got a blood angel. He's called uh, Brother Uriel, and he's awesome. And he loves grenades. He's got an obsession with with grenades. Um, but you know, who wouldn't? <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Quirk? I've, uh, I've got a um, salamander tech marine. Yeah. His name's uh, Uriloki Hakan, and we're working our way towards. Getting a servo harness, I believe, is, uh, is that's the that's the dream at the moment. It's it's it's. I think it's well within your grasp, given what's oh, yes. happened so far. Oh yes. When Quirky created his character, he did one one sort of session, and it was like, oh, can I take a can I take a servo harness? No, no, you can't because you haven't had any experience points yet. Oh, but I want the servo harness. No. They're expensive. You've got to build the experience. It was really quite funny. There's been some things that have happened in this mission so far where I think you probably earned plenty of experience. Um, I'm hoping so, yeah. <laughs> Should have some pennies to use to spend on some gear after this one. So, so um, do, you want to, uh, do you want to expand on that for, for people? Well, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of outline... Is it worth outlining what the objective is to give it a bit of context, I suppose? Have, have you got it to hand? Have you got the mission thing to uh, hand? You know me, mate. I'm all about my notes. So, yeah. I've got... If you've got the mission briefing there, do you want to sort of re- read that through? So everybody yes. knows kind of where we're coming from. Yeah, so this mission was titled uh, Death of a World. Um, so the Ordo Zenus has received an emergency astropathic communication from the Craxis subsector pleading for assistance from any nearby Imperial forces. The message speaks of a vast meteor heading on a direct collision course with the sector's primary planet, Crax. Approximately 322 million Imperial citizens live and toil on the Hive world. Crax houses the ninth largest administrative data storage facility of the entire Imperium, and millions will die if the asteroid hits. Unbeknownst to the inhabitants of the planet, long-range inquisitorial probes have determined the asteroid to be a colossal orc rock. It is suspected that it harbours the thousands or possibly millions of orcs that make up the great wag of Grak Mag Spleen Ripper. Fortunately, your kill team is only one sector away and is by far the closest Imperial military force able to intervene. Spleen Ripper is known to delight in forcing his captives to compete in gladiatorial blood sports deep in the heart of his asteroid fortress. It's rumoured that he and his war clan have wiped entire planets clean of their population by either slaughtering or enslaving them. Less frequent rumours occasionally circulate of a handful of Astartes being held in the asteroid's deepest, vilest pits from where they are made to fight dozens of other combatants for Spleen Ripper's amusement. When a particularly skilled or deadly prisoner is taken, however, the captured Astartes are pitted against them whilst under the scrutiny of thousands of Spleen Ripper's followers. The population of Cracks believe that if the asteroid hits, then they and all they know will be wiped out. In fact, the reality of the asteroid entering orbit and disgorging thousands of orcs and their crude war machines onto the planet's surface is far, far worse. 
Despite the kill team's depleted state, your Ordo Zenus handler, Inquisitor Graviel, has tasked you with stopping the Orc Rock and, if possible, freeing any loyal Astartes in captivity. It is known that Lieutenant Agathon of the Imperial Fist and one of his men, Brother Kedis, were captured by Spleen Ripper and the Laminza Sector and is believed they are still held. You are also tasked with extracting the two veterans as they possess vital operational and strategic information regarding Spleen Ripper's rampages across the sector. So our objectives are to infiltrate the asteroid, cripple or destroy the asteroid, find and extract Lieutenant Agathon and Brother Kedis, and kill Spleen Ripper. We have secondary objectives to find and extract any other loyalist Astartes and or any other life forms which could be useful to the Inquisition. If unable to eliminate Spleen Ripper, plant a tracking device on the asteroid. And tertiary objectives, take out as many orc dropships as possible. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's cool. Thank, thanks for reading that out, mate. So quite the task for your little depleted four-man Deathwatch kill team. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's very cinematic. It was quite fun to read it and get excited about what what was going to happen and just the cogs start turning in your brain. So, yeah, it was cool. Also worth pointing out that we've got... So Jim's character is a Dark Angel assault marine. And Gray's character is a space wolf rune priest, Mark's favourite. Yep. <laughs> so because the the way we worked this, because we didn't just want to sort of bring quirking and make him a super duper powerful character straight off the bat. So he started at sort of rank level one, if you like. So he came in in quite an explosive manner in the previous mission. Um, sort of came to the other three's aid at one point. So that was pretty cool. But he's new to the kill team. He's actually relatively new to the Death Watch. So as a result, he hasn't built up anywhere near as much experience points as the rest of the guys and therefore hasn't bought as much mm. gear and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think, Mark, you've you've ended up with quite a few different weapon options in your personal armory, haven't you, to choose from? I have, yeah. Well, I started off with the plasma gun, didn't I? Which yeah. I've then upgraded to Mastercrafted. I then bought the uh, the melty gun um, and then more recently I bought the uh, special issue, should I see? Yeah. Uh, bolt rifle. Um, which uh, Have I Mastercrafted that one? I can't remember if I have. No, your special issue bolt gun, no. No. No, no. no I don't think so. So yeah, so that's, that's what I've got and then I pretty much on every mission take a jump pack because what's a blood angel about a jump pack? Yeah. Although interestingly, when he chose created his character, he chose to it chose for him to be a tactical marine. Yeah, well, I know I'm regretting that. But since then, <laughs> um, I managed to uh, obviously engage conversation with a tech marine, didn't I? And uh, I have now managed to be given or gifted a what is it? A Mark II, Mark III, a Mark II Astartes chainsaw. There you go. So I've now got the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. So in the previous mission, God, we could talk about this for, for forever, but basically there was a cohort of Dark Angels Space Marines that had got caught in the warp that had been lost there for several hundred years and they'd landed on this, they'd come out of the warp and landed on the planet and this planet was being invaded by demons of ascensions the Death Watch killed him, had to go and investigate, and man, it all kicked off. It just went bananas. It did go mad. And uh, Mark's character kind of befriended this tech marine, 
And then it turned out that the Dark Angels were followers of Luther, which Jim's character didn't like. But yeah, I just it just went mental. And it was about that point actually that Quirky, your character, arrived on the scene, wasn't it? Fast yes. burst through the ceiling in a giant drop pod. Yeah. He came down in yeah. the drop pod on his own and just crashed in through the ceiling of this massive complex. And uh yeah, it was it was really quite cool. Yeah, and I think that I I I ended up like stepping out the drop pod and killing three guys or something. And a load of cogitators, I think, fell over as uh, something from the warp was possessing someone. I think it's been a while now, so the, the details are a bit fuzzy. But then, you know, I'm kind of glad I chose a tech marine because uh, I think immediately after that, we ran out of the room and I was like, oh, can I lock the door? Yeah. Um, and make sure it stays locked. And, you know, I, I almost got a chance to like prove my usefulness like straight yes. away, which was quite good. Um, and, you know, I quite like the sort of engineer style characters. So what gear is, is your character currently sporting? He currently has artificial armor with an integrated teleport homer, um, which I got after. I think I actually got both of those after the last, last mission. Um, I have a bolt pistol, a bolt gun, uh, a mastercrafted omniscient power axe, uh, which, yeah, I, I started off as just an omniscient power axe, which I got mastercrafted after the last mission. A servo arm, which we, you know, as we spoke about earlier, we're hoping to upgrade. Um, <laughs> just a, a few grenades here and there, which um, I'm hoping uh, Mark's character doesn't pinch at some point because affinity <laughs> for grenades. Just make sure you get to the armory before I do, mate. <laughs> so basically, the way we're sort of approaching approaching this game is obviously the guys get their get their mission brief in, and then at that point they can consult each other, they can consult their personal armories, and then they choose the gear that they're going to take for that mission. So it's quite an interesting way of people choosing what if they're going to purchase any extra weapons or. Like the guys have said, sort of uh, master crafting a weapon to make it slightly better or whatever it happens to be. So they quite all of the characters are kind of a little bit down that track now. So at the end of the last mission, can you guys remember what happened at the very, very end? On the roof. <laughs> a certain space wolf gave us a spot of bother as we were trying to get into the Thunderhawk. I remember correctly. So to make things just that little bit more interesting, Space Wolf characters can succumb to the mark of the Wolfen, and Blood Angels characters, he says looking at Mark, mm. can succumb to the Black Rage. So they've each got different criteria which triggers this. So, Mark, do you want to explain what yours is? Well, mine's every five melee kills. No, 10, sorry. So every every 10 melee kills, that's it. I go into the uh, into the Black Rage and just basically just run around, chainsaw and everything that basically decides to step in my path. And uh, the, the ironic thing is, is that I've killed quite a lot of people in melee this round because I just seem to keep killing people because there's too many enemies on this goddamn rock. <laughs> um, and obviously, the more people I kill, the harder it is for me to actually get out of the Black Rage. Yeah. Um, so it's probably fair to say that I'm probably going to be in the black rage for the rest of this mission but do you know what it's automatical isn't it and it's just brilliant i love the fact that quirky's laughing there because he knows what's happened in the last one that you weren't at when they were controlling your character uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's certainly interesting isn't it it's pretty intense in that, <laughs> in, in that room i would say 
Uh, Cause that's moment. nothing but trouble you have. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, it's, I think it's every ten melee kills, and when you slip into the back rage, you get an extra action dice, so potentially you're faster. Mm. You increase your strength and number of attacks as well, don't you? Yeah. And for Graham's character, the Space Wolf, the trigger for him for his succumbing to the mark of the wolf and is if he rolls his action dice and rolls three ones, he, he succumbs to the curse of the wolf. And, which unfortunately is exactly what he did when he was rolling his action dice to get onto the Thunderhawk that was going to take them off of this planet. And unfortunately he was the only one on it at the time, wasn't he? <laughs> so you I all think, had to restrain him. Yeah, I think we were all holding him back, weren't we? Because it's, it's sort of like when he transforms, I suppose, for want of a better word, he um, his instinct is to go to towards people. yeah towards the closest person and attack him. So we just kind yeah. of had to hold him back, so so he didn't run off the side of the building or anything. To because I think someone had fallen off the side, and that was sort of the closest mm. um, enemy, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Again, it's a bit fuzzy. It's a while ago now. But... So so one of the stipulations, both for the Blood Angels characters that have gone into the Black Rage and the Space Wolf characters that have gone into the Curse of the Wolfen, is that they, they always have to go for the nearest enemy and attack it to try and kill it, because they, they've kind of lost their faculties a little bit. Now, it is possible for, for either of the characters to snap out of their particular states and return back to normal, but they have to pass a certain leadership tests at certain modifiers and things like that. So it makes it quite interesting. But I think it's Graham's timing in particular is horrific with this. You know, <laughs> at least yours can sometimes be quite useful depending on the timing of it, but that's not to say that the Wolfens isn't. It's, it's very, very powerful, but it's, it's pretty cool. It's just ironic how many times he's actually gone into it. Like, how many times can you roll? I think he's actually times? managed it every single game. It's every game he's gone into the wolf. Yeah, yeah, he did it. He did it recently in this one as well, didn't he? When we were still in the hangar. But this mission is promising <laughs> to be rather epic. So mm. there was a wonderful moment quite early on when you were in the in the hangar bay. Well, yeah, we um, we basically got as as I've read the objective and sort of the mission statement out earlier, we sort of agreed that we were going to, I think my exact words, we were going to um, Millennium Falcon it and sort of just power <laughs> everything down and cruise towards this asteroid and make it just, because there was a lot of, I think you'd said something along the lines of, um, there was a lot of like litter and garbage basically flying around. Like yeah, sort of the, de detritus and stuff, yeah. Yeah, sort of the gravity of the asteroid was holding it around the edge of the asteroid. So we were like, okay, we can look like a bit of rubbish and just float towards this uh, this asteroid. So we did that. As soon as we got close enough, we kind of gunned it into the hangar with all these, like, uh, Gretchen and orcs and everything not didn't have a clue what was going on. We just all jumped off this. Uh, I think the three of us jumped off. So Jim rode out on his his bike. Um, Mark jumped out, and I jumped out. Mm. And I think Graham's character was still on the uh, the Thunderhawk. Yeah, he stood so on the open ramp, casting psychic powers, didn't he? It was really cool. That's it, yeah. So I sort of had a think, and you you'd mentioned, oh, you've gone through a, a, a gravity force field. 
that's holding the atmosphere inside the hangar. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of went, okay, is there a terminal nearby? Yeah. Yes, yes, there is a terminal nearby. Okay, I'd like to run towards that terminal and link up to it. I was the tech marine of the group and sort of communicated to the guys, said, uh, right, turn your mag locks on because we have mag boots, right? Yeah. So we all did that. So Jim's there on his bike, holding his bike down with a mag lock to the floor. Mark, I think, got mag locked to a wall. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Graham uh, mag locks to the uh, Thunderhawk. I think he, he took it out. He did, yeah. He took it out of the hangar, um, which would become obvious why momentarily. So we link up to this terminal and we turn the gravity force field off. Uh, well, uh, well, well, hang on. It was it was proper, like <laughs> suspenseful though. Like if it was a movie, it would be where the guy's reaching for the red button and can't quite reaches it, and then he slips and falls back a bit, and then he has to go for it again because you failed your first roll, didn't you? Well, this was the other thing is that you ended the session literally <laughs> as I was about to push that button. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Because that was, and I had to wait two weeks. Like, no, I want to play now. Two whole weeks. So we sat there with me, ho- my finger hovering over the big red button. G's character, I should say, is outside in the Thunderhawk, sort of. Because obviously, as soon as this gravity force field goes, we we kind of figured out everything's going to just bundle into the Thunderhawk, and that's our our way home, basically. So we didn't want it to get mm. destroyed. And everyone's maglocked to the walls, and we're just like all baited breath, waiting for me to push this button. And I was like, and we'll leave it there for this evening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it gets to the next week. Um, I think some killer cans came through the through the hangar door. Um, yeah. Jim killed some grots, and then we brought down the gravity force field, and everything just starts flying out of this hangar. There's like there's um, things full of. Uh, uh, the fuel bowsers being dragged out and the Prometheum's just flying everywhere. I think um, Jim got set on fire yeah. <laughs> because... Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, I think the Thunderhawk sh- came back in once everything was cleared, but there was so much Prometheum flying around that um, the Thunderhawk's uh, guns ignited some of the Promethean and Jim couldn't move because he's still mag-locked <laughs> with his bike, holding his bike in place, and he's just got set on fire and stuff, so it's really cinematic, so much going on, all these, like, just grots and Gretchen just flying around, they haven't got a clue what's going on. Then I, uh, I think I put the gravity force field back up yeah. and decided, okay, our tertiary mission uh, objective was to take out as many orc dropships as possible. So I said to James, can I do that for every hangar on the ship? And he said, yes, you have to <laughs> roll for it. And I rolled for it and I succeeded my role. So I think to date, I have 1,407 deaths in this mission <laughs> so far. <laughs> So yeah, that that servo harness is mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's it's one experience point per per, per kill, basically. Mm. That was a really good example of how the way your mind works is really well suited to this sort of thing. Um, yeah, because it, you're you know you're like asking questions like, oh, hang on a second, can I do that? You mentioned this earlier. Can I try that? It's really cool. But- also, I think the other thing is, like, as a games master, you kind of 
you you open that sandbox to a point because I think I asked something else as well later on. I asked about getting a map or some sort of blueprints for like oh, just yes, linking yeah. up to another terminal, and you were like, "Nah, that they're, they're orcs. They're not going to have blueprints. It's all going to be cobbled together." You're confining the rules to the point where we're not overpowered, but obviously explaining it within the universe and within the game as well to a point where it makes perfect sense. So yeah, not letting us you know go above our station and get too overpowered and be able to just do anything at the end of the day. I know they're space marines, but at the end of the day, you know, we can't do yeah. everything. Also worth mentioning that Mark, you had your character had his most epic grenade moment. He did there. with the killer cans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So I was, I, if I remember it directly, it's basically I charged, I charged in and I jetpacked. No, in fact, I did, I did the jetpack charge and I jumped yeah. packed onto him. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I jumped packed onto one of the first killer cans, uh, landed on, landed on top, uh, ripped open the hatch, threw a grenade in. And then uh, as that exploded, I did exactly the same to another one, didn't I? Yep. And just jump back yeah. straight to the next one, rip the lid off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the best two, uh, the best two grenades ever. And then, uh, yeah, once I'd done that, it was a jump pack to the door, arms crossed. Come on, guys, what are you doing? Let's go. Yeah, top chop. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it, was, uh, it was pretty cool. So, on that in that mission at the moment, I mean, we've got to mention what Gray's character did in the last mission with that orc warden. Well, no, it was, so if we're going chronologically, yeah, that's oh yes, yeah, go on. That's the point that G turned into a wolf. Yes, um, yes, that's but right. I think it was that was kind of too little, too late because I think he'd um <clears throat> he'd killed he get got to kill a killer cow and that's all he did really as yeah, a wolf. Everything uh, else was, got, got sucked out of the collapsed force field, didn't it? Yeah. Mm. So um. Again, a perfect timing for him turning into a wolf, as always. And then we went and found another unit of, well, I say we, uh, myself, Mark's character, and Jim went and found another unit of, I think it was Gretchen and Grotz, wasn't it, um, around the corner. But Gray's character decided to go the other way and separated from the group. Yep. He killed a few uh, orc boys coming down and then they suddenly retreated suspiciously yeah um, so he thought okay i'll go rejoin rejoin the others and uh bam ambush <laughs> all of a sudden <laughs> from the ceiling um yeah and he got captured so he did. yeah that was it that was very interesting that was quite cool um and kind of like, you know, silly him for going off on his own almost. What was interesting about that was Graham decided to to sort of be the rear guard because obviously he's he's in Terminator armor and mm. you know the Terminator on his own is quite the formidable opponent. But yeah, ultimately got captured by some commandos and dragged off. And you guys didn't realise for a couple of turns, did you? And then, if I remember rightly, you went and found him and killed the orcs that were in there with him and released him. Yes, G was pinned down to a table and some sort of mad professor sort of orc guy was cutting into his armor wasn't he yes um, and making him very angry meanwhile we were off um i've got a note here say, saying that uh jim's character attacked and punches the gretchen's head off so you can imagine the, <laughs> the rest of what was going on uh, with us three but i found a crudely drawn map of different areas in different colors 
Yes. God, I'd almost forgotten about that. We might have to revisit that in the next session, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, which seemed to signify different units around the Orc Rock. Yeah. And it was at that point everyone suddenly noticed uh, G's character is missing. And when you go off to find him, as we go off to find him, G's on this slab and this kind of what what to me in my head was kind of this like almost mad Professor Orc is, is like, say, slicing his arm open. And before we get to the room, there's a door behind G's character and he he ends up going down. This door suddenly opens. He's still on the slab and it, it's almost like a um, a minecart railway that takes him further into the rock. And we get into the room and he's missing at that point. And we destroy everything else that's in there. I pick up his weapon and we follow him. But Graham's slab has been traveling for about 10 minutes. It stops. We hear a pneumatic hiss and he starts rising up and going through this opening above in a hatch. And there's a uh, an orc knob up there. And he's about a head bigger than G. He's in this mega armor. He's got an electrified whip. Um, there's loads of like sort of menials around him carrying stuff to all these cells. It's like a cell area. Yeah. And he's sort of the warden of this area, basically. G and the Orc Knob exchange a few niceties, shall we say, <laughs> with some, each other. Pleasantries, yeah. Yes. Um, and basically, uh, G's character says, uncuff me and um, we'll basically see who's who's stronger. And they have basically a punch up in the middle of this cell. This <laughs> like all oh, warden and space, so and he's it wearing like, no armor as well. Do you know what it reminded me of? It was like I don't know if you ever, you guys ever watched the A Team when you were kids, but there's like B A Baracus, and there was mm. always a huge bad guy, and they'd stand in front of each other, just punching each other, just like, yeah. like that, you know. And it was like Gray in his Terminator armor, and this orc knob with the you know this sort of warden and even the orc put down his weapons and was just sort of flexing his fists and stuff and sort of cricking his neck and they sort of stomped forward to each other and it was so so cool eventually um gray did beat the orc but flipping it they both took some damage they they oh, really oh. did uh, you know um, what it reminded me of what i had in my head at the time thor ragnarok yeah um the bit where Thor and Hulk fight yes. in the gladiatorial ring. It reminded me of that. That's sort yeah. of like what I had in my head of this just like this big like green fella just fighting this other guy. Yeah. And it, it, oh, it was so that. cool. And, and very fitting, of course, you know, um, Thor, uh, Space Wars being basically werewolf Viking warriors in space, you know. So basically what happened in the end was Grey took this orc down. The orc was still alive and he, the orc was on his back and, and Grey sort of got down sort of astride him and he came right down into his face and he just he just howled in his face roared in his face and i can't remember the exact words i wish gray was here because i'm sure he'd know i'm sure he's probably got a note of it or something but he screamed in his face said something to him and ripped the tusks the lower tusks of this orc out of his mouth out of his mouth because orcs use teeth as trophies and everything and he took him as trophies of his own and uh, yeah, basically, oh, that was it. He headbutted him. He headbutted him um, and basically caved the front of his skull in and ripped his tusk out. Oh, it was so cool. It was wicked. <laughs> and then, of course, you started to discover 
what was in the cells, didn't you? And Mark, you, Mark's character went a bit loopy. Yeah, a little bit, didn't we, really? <laughs> um, so I've got to try and remember, obviously, what's, what's going on here. So the first, what was it? Because it was a, uh, an Eldar witch, wasn't it? Was it Eldar or was it Drukari witch? It, 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 it was a Drukari witch was Drukari in one of the witch, cells. Yeah. And because at this point, your character had gone into the Black Rage, mm. obviously the, the criteria is that you, you have to go for it. Yeah, I just walked in there. So well, yeah, why not? I think you can't your way through the cell door and went for it. But this this Drakari witch was so quick. I mean, your rolls weren't very good, were they? No, and not like, on that whereas day. the, the, the Drakari's rolls were were horrendously good. And she basically ended up somersaulting over his head and holding his own own chainsaw to his throat. And that was kind of where that session ended. Mm. So the next one, which of course you weren't for, the rest of the guys were controlling your character and. Mm. I'll put it this way, he never got out of the black range. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. But also, the Drukari escaped, didn't she? She did, yes. Ready yeah. to seek havoc later on, I've got no Slippery doubt. Slippery little snake, yeah. Well, you'll be very upset, Mark, actually. I held my bolt gun up to her and said, basically, release, release him. Um, and she... She threatened me, saying, you won't hit me without hitting your brother. G's character asked her what she wanted. She said, I just want to get out of this hole. I want to get away. Um, she drops the chainsaw, and at the same moment, just snatches something off you. And the, mm. the next thing we know, a crack grenade's bouncing towards Graham. So she <laughs> wasted one of your grenades, mate. You should be furious. I know. <laughs> I know. Then Uriel picks up his chainsaw and just notices something in the cells across the way and bolts, just bolts <laughs> towards the cell. I think G's character literally rolled his eyes and went, here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. It was brilliant. Um, and uh, it turns out, all the while as well, might I add, Jim's character is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, <laughs> and has, has been ambushed, kidnapped by the orcs as well, and is strapped to a table trying to break free. But yeah, you run towards this cell, and there's a Tyranid warrior in there, um, completely bound, uh, and right. you just start mm. wailing on, wailing on him, <laughs> completely <laughs> anger. Um, but what was great was for every, for every one that the guys rolled for you to hit in, in close combat against this Tyranid, I made it so it didn't hit the Tyranid, but it hit the restraints. <laughs> so they hold so, they they rolled so many ones between them that you ended up basically cutting the restraints off of this Tyranid warrior, wounding it in the process. <laughs> so basically, at the moment, this Tyranid warrior is now unrestrained and you're in a cell, just you and him, Lovely. just going at it and properly yeah, it's, it's really quite cool <laughs> I, I think g's in there as well right no um, no no so, no it's not did he not, not go in there because i think no, no he decided not to i think he looked at it and thought i'm not gonna fit in there yeah right that was it because don't forget yeah. g's in terminator armor mark isn't mark's yeah. in artificial armor the jump pack and even yeah. that's a bit of a squeeze but what else is going on elsewhere is that the two Imperial Fists mentioned in the mission objectives are actually in this cell area and they've both been released. I think somebody gave the Lieutenant a weapon and the yep. other guy has actually been quite badly wounded. He's got burns all up one side. He's lost an arm. 
and he's been given a weapon as well. There were two in, uh, two Astro Militarum troopers, one male, one female. Uh, They've armed themselves, one with a massive monkey wrench, mm-hmm. one with a buzzsaw, a, a petrol-driven buzzsaw. There was a a Tau Watercast ambassador there, and he's sticking very, very close to Graham's character. Yeah. Um, and he's not armed himself at all. They're very sort of peaceful, you know, he's not... Plastic, yeah. Yeah. But the big thing was, right in the back corner of this cell area, there's a sort of quite gloomy, and there's an Eldari warrior just sat there cross-legged, with his, you know, yeah. just sort of meditating. Yeah. And uh, Graham's character did a psychic test on him, see whether there was and there was no psychic influence there or he was anything then, like yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, I think at one point that you guys are discussing what to do about him, and this this sort of Eldari voice just quietly, barely above a, a whisper, sort of says, "I will fight with you." And then you sort of let him out, and he's all graceful and everything, and he's. Is rather unsettlingly calm, would you say, Quirky? Yeah, so he um, he picks up just a, a piece of metal, uh, like a, almost like a metal shard to yeah. use as a weapon. And my character turns around to him and says, uh, oh, because I picked up the... Um, that's another thing we completely missed. I picked up a welding torch. Yeah. Because uh, as a tech marine, I thought it might be useful, and uh, obviously Graham's armor was damaged from it being tried to cut through. And when we spoke to the lieutenant, you know, he none of his armor had any power. He was holding his armor all under his own weight. So I gave, I kind of souped up his uh, armor, and you said that that was powered up. Depending on my role, that was powered up for two rounds. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that all that had happened. So I got this welding torch maglock to my leg. I turn around to this Eldari guy and kind of, you stab me, I burn your face off. And all he does is smirk back at me. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to you, Arthur. So I kind of feel I've made some mistakes because I, I then went uh, in search of Jim's character because he hasn't shown up. I, I jumped back down the lift shaft. <laughs> you had a bit of an accident didn't you I did yeah so I jumped down the lift shaft um, not as gracefully as I would have liked and my leg goes through the top of the elevator <laughs> just like <laughs> I just get stuck <laughs> I have to pull my leg out all this anyway um, I'm running down the tunnel and I just come over a sea of bodies in the dark. They, you know, they just look like mounds, and I don't really can't really tell what they are. But there's just blood everywhere. There's flesh up the walls, you know. There's a load of orcs that have been dismembered, cut to pieces. We've got an ability where if we eat the flesh of something, we get their short-term memory. And so I take a bite of this orc, you know, and uh, I get have all these visions of just. The witch has gone through here and completely decimated them. So when she threw that grenade, she's been so quick to go down the lift shaft. We didn't see her go. But now I'm down here by myself and she's down here somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) She's absolutely decimated all these orcs. The other thing I forgot is I'm obviously helping the lieutenant power his armor. So I've left him up there with the other guys and 
he's I he must have already been two rounds, so he's already run out of energy in that in that suit. So he's got to lug himself around. Yeah. So I was kind of, <laughs> kind of finished the session. I spoke to James after. I said, I've made mistakes, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. But that's that's the beauty of it. Like there's there's some moments like the beginning of it. I tried to play as characterfully as possible. I feel the Tech Marine role really well. But then at this point, I just feel like I completely messed it up. But it's going <laughs> to make the game really interesting at the same time. Because I'm trying to find Jim. He's somewhere pinned down trying to escape. There's this witch just about somewhere who... I think when Mark first saw her as well, he got a, vis- he got a vision of her attacking Hormagons, I think they're called. Something like that. It's one of the Orc boys. Oh, that's right. It was one of the sort of cell guards, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was from the Orc's perspective, watching her just taking apart these former gaunts. Yeah, yeah, so that must have been in the gladiatorial ring, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So that's what it was, yeah. So she's absolutely vicious. Um, so I'm down her there by myself with her trying to find Jim. The others have all these uh, Xenos that we don't like, we don't trust. But the lieutenant said we've got, you know, they've kind of got not quite Stockholm syndrome, but they've got a camaraderie with them because they've been fighting in these gladiatorial challenges with these guys. They've been there for a while. So they've said, you know, if we go, they're coming with us. G's character says on your head, be it to him. You know, so there's there's so much going on. G's character is not happy at all because obviously Death Watch are completely anti-Zeno. So no. you, you, you guys just want to kill out all of them. Mm. And the Imperial Fist has basically insisted that if we've got any hope of getting out of here, we need to work together, even if it is a means to an end. And basically G's character said, on your head be it, because if this goes wrong, there's going to be a reckoning. And said in that proper Space Wolf Graham character way, you know, it was yeah. just really mm. cool. What's worth mentioning as well is there's what what sort of included with, with this game is sort of details like being able to every space marine being able to spit acid. So yes. I think it was Graham that was rolling for Jim's character at this point, where Jim's character is strapped down. He'd sort of come round and was quite heftily restrained, and G remembered that he could spit acid. So he tried to spit acid on these sort of leather restraints and succeeded mm. and managed to burn through. So he got like one of his arms free and then he was able to sort of rip the one from around his neck free. And, and so as it ended, Jim's character had sat up on this slab. His legs were still strapped down, but his upper torso is completely free. And there's all these little grots utterly panicking. Couple of them are running towards him to try and attack him. The rest of them are running away. Some of the orcs are turning around, and realizing what's going on, and they're they're starting to move towards him. And that's where it ended, as as Jim's just basically just shouting them all to come on if they think they're hard enough. It's mm. just yeah. really, it's well cool because Jim's character has been stripped down to. He's only got his leg armor and his torso armor. His helm's been removed. His power pack's been removed, and the armor of his arms has been taken off so that means that his power fist has gone as well he's mm. been disarmed he hasn't got any weapons or anything either so it could be quite interesting it's I almost mean, uh, as if you want somebody to arrive quite quickly to help them quirky well yeah exactly <laughs> the thing for me as well is that we've still got looking at the objectives we've 
I, I mean, I think I've got the orc dropships covered. I like to think. I've, I've, we've, <laughs> you know, that one's hit out of the park. We got to find any other loyalist Astartes. You know, that's a secondary objective. But we've got to cripple the asteroid and save the lieutenant and brother Kedis, plus kill Spleen Ripper. So there's still still a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being a tech marine, my head is get to the engine room plant some explosives and then try and find Spleen Ripper. That's You're not going to have any where explosives my... left because he's going to have used all of his grenades, stolen yours, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, I know. he didn't use his. It's not his fault. I mean, we, we've, caught, we've gone completely off on a tangent here, but uh, it's becoming a very entertaining little game and what we've done is introduced um, different elements of different game systems actually there's elements of Necromunda there's elements of AOS there's elements of 40k general role playing just to try and make a nice sort of slick but in-depth and immersive sort of gaming experience and we, we're really enjoying it I mean there's mm. nothing official it's all stuff that I've sort of put together myself and we're on version 9 of the rules now and it's really quite streamlined now there's psychic stuff in there there's shooting there's melee there's you roll action dice to see how many actions you succeed for, you know, very similar to Inquisitor, actually, in that respect. You know, weapons work like they do in Age of Sigma, and you've got all these extra little bonus things you can do. So, for example, a mastercrafted weapon in this game allows you to re-roll ones to hit. Yeah. Some news for the listeners. We're actually creating a plus one to hit podcast website. So what I might do is, if people are interested, is publish the little rule set that I've done up on that website, um, just so people can have a go themselves. See if we can get other people coming on here and telling us their story and what missions they've been getting up to. Yeah, well, anything like that, you know, Inquisitor, or we'd love to hear about your Necromunda games, 40k, Crusade Battles, obviously, we talked about that today, Mm. Age of Sigmar, it'd be great to hear from people, really. If you do put up the rule set for Death Watch, James, if you get people writing scenarios or missions, that'd be cool to see, to run their yeah. own games and things like that. I think that's one of the things I've been enjoying so much about this is really the sky's the limit in terms of your mm. imagination, isn't it? You know, We can all use common references like, I mean, you said earlier where I made reference to the Detroiters floating around the rock and you instantly thought of the Star Wars scene. Mm. Um, you know, just stuff like that is... is it can, it can be really, really cool and it can help paint that picture and the, paint the, the environment for people. So what have you got planned over the next month? Obviously, we're at the end of November now, so we've got the big end-of-year event coming up. What have we got planned for Bobby and whatever? Well, for me, it's about building and um, painting all the models I've recently just bought and obviously trying to make sure the Crusade Force is, is ready for the next game. But that's pretty much it for me, to be honest. I haven't really got much else going on. So you're going to paint every single one of those 768 <laughs> models that you've got? Well, I'm probably not every single one, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it a good old a good old bash to, to get as many done as, uh, as I can. Awesome. Send some round to me and I'll ruin them for you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Quirk? More Death Watch, uh, as much Death Watch as we can fit in. Uh, until the end of the year and carry on afterwards and then uh, hopefully uh, you and I are going to completely annihilate Mark when we play 40k or crusade or whatever we're going to do so yeah well absolutely we'll have to see if we can do that perhaps over the Christmas break to do that yeah yeah definitely quite cool why not give you a chance to earn some experience for your neck rods I know (laughs) (laughs) 
as long as we don't wipe them out, of course. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. Thank you very much indeed. Only remains for me to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get in touch or you've got a disability and you'd like to share your hobby journey, please do get in touch by any of the methods in the show notes. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Until next time, may the dice gods be with you. <laughs>